on today's episode of Project Pundits Unplugged. This is, this is going to be a, just a disaster. Setting high expectations for the audience. This is going to, you know, folks, yes, you know, this is going to be just like the projects you're working on. Uh, just a, a, <laughs> you, you're not going to be able to turn your head. Like, that's the best we can hope for, that we're going to suck you in because it's just, you can't turn your head away. It's the train wreck that you just, you, yeah. you know you shouldn't, but you got to look at it. Okay. You know, and here's the hope. Just like the projects that Breeden and I work on, we're going to turn it around at some point. Maybe by episode <laughs> 10. Sharing advice on raising a family. All right. So, Three and a half hours later. Right. So when I'm looking... That was that was a SpongeBob. Yeah, I get it. Jamie I have Casey. kids. I never watched SpongeBob. Okay, cool. I All have right. kids. Cool, awesome. I, I don't I just you. I don't just show them like you know R-rated movies from their birth. <laughs> like so. Uh, you wait till it, they're four, like everyone else in the country. No, nah, just give them a phone. Yeah, and let them do it themselves. <laughs> um, uh, and dealing with long pauses. Yeah. So I I can deal with awkward silences, Jim. It's never never been a problem for me. <laughs> All right, we're gonna kick it off. Let's kick this thing off. <laughs> there was right. one right there. All right, let's do it. Guys, project management is broken, and we are here to fix it, or at least to tell you our thoughts on how it needs to be fixed. That's right. Uh, we uh, are going to talk today a little bit about some of the challenges that uh, face project management and uh, a little bit about our vision for how to address some of those challenges. Um, and to illustrate, we want to share a couple of stories about some of the um, in- incredible results of what happens when you get project management that is broken. Um, I recently had an experience. Recently, that's that's inaccurate. I'll say in the last ten years. Is that recent, Jim? What what qualifies as recent? I don't know. When you get older, <laughs> every, everything is recent or forever ago. I don't know. Uh, I'll say in the last ten years, I I ended up uh, having a project where the first year, almost year and a half, and I'm not exaggerating almost an entire year and a half of millions of dollars worth of resources being allocated was spent discussing the project's methodology. I'm not exaggerating this. I'm not making this up. They spent more than a year and a half discussing what approach should we take to deliver this project while they had all of the project resources allocated to this initiative. We're talking in the end, this was about a half a billion dollar worth of work over you know maybe a five or six year implementation period ultimately a disastrous failure um, and and one amongst other I don't want to say project management was the only challenge but amongst many other challenges the fact that they spent an inordinate amount of time talking about how they were going to do something while they had resources allocated to the project was mind-boggling to me Jim I, I know you have a, a similar uh, story recently. One of my clients um, had invested um, a significant amount of money. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, similar to the number Braden talked about, a half a billion dollars 
to implement a new system in a healthcare company, and they were, oh boy, at least three years into it, trying to put this platform in place as one of the core platforms. And, you know, by the time I got there and I was dancing around there, seeing where I could help and whatnot, but this thing was, was one of those that's just too far gone. And they decided, um, and obviously this is a board level decision, just to, to essentially just say we failed and write off $500 million. Um, and, you know, root cause is, it's to me, I, I mean, it's not all project management to Braden's point. But project management, if done right, facilitates you through all the steps so that all along the way you're detecting whether or not you're on the right track or not. You should not get $500 million into something before you discover that, yeah, this thing's not going to work. Yeah, Jim, actually, do you want to kick us off? You've got the first one, actually. It's uh, Yeah, my favorite topic. I'm not sure why I ended up with this one. Um, uh, I think... The favorite thing that gets created to solve problems is a new methodology. So in a project management world and probably more in a software development or technology development world, you have software development life cycles and you have different things. And so um, I think from both our perspectives and others, there's there's literally, we'll put them up on a screen. There's literally, you know, probably two, three dozen methodologies that are used, everything from lean six sigma to just your traditional waterfall to rapid application development to you know i'm just thinking of others uh, kanban kanban i haven't but, heard you, you say well, your favorite Jim. well yeah you're and, and, and you're ultimately the, around the, it the, right because you know it's gotta you gotta leave that for emphasis and then there's you know the the whole agile methodology and all of its little offshoots and cults that go around it um, you know, that convince people to bleed millions of dollars thinking, you know, a methodology is going to save them. So Jim, Jim, in case for those of you who can't tell, Jim has very strong opinions on the agile methodology, which we'll hear about in, in the future. I know oh, agile is a, is, 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 is a crutch for people, you know, not thinking, which doesn't work. So, um, Absolutely. Let me let me uh, throw another one out there. So another uh, common challenge that we have today um, is people who are prioritizing process over thinking. Um, process wonks, call them checkbox PMs, um, whatever it is that, that you want to, to call them. Um, there's genuinely people out there, and this is both within and without the, the PM community, um, that think that the right process can solve anything. It's it's one process to rule them all. That's our first analogy. I just compared. I just compared. We're gonna have we're gonna have an analogy counter. There'll be a lot of them. But one process to rule them all is the first Lord of the Rings analogy. But essentially, you've you've really got um, people who value process over critical thinking. Um, I can tell you right now, if a perfect process were all that were necessary to run a project perfectly, the PMs would, would they'd get rid of PMs, codify it in software, um, and, and have it be me automated. And the fact is, there is no substitute for critical thinking um, and, and for learning, right? And, and those are kind of, we're going to talk about some of the core foundational capabilities that a good PM needs to do in order to counter some of these challenges. But um, 
valuing and, and ultimately putting process over critical thinking um, is, is one of the core pieces that happens at almost every organization that I've seen where project management is either done poorly um, or, or people misunderstand the role that PM should have. I think through all of this, we've now established perceptions on what a project manager is. Um, and I think, um, you know, I think, you know, and we'll reference this later, but I got to throw another analogy out here, right? I mean, and we're going to talk about it in more detail, but if you think of a PM and, and, and what they should be doing is they should be the CEO of whatever they're responsible for and figuring out what, you know, defining what they're trying to do and building a plan around it, all of that. And, and I think for the most part, again, the leadership of a lot of organizations believe that PMs follow a standard process, check the boxes and whatnot. And if they hire them to do that, it's going to work. I think, I think it, it, it permeates all levels and whatnot. And, and, and it's, it's got to change because what ends up happening is when that does not occur and you've invested, call it hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars into your project management practices, and they've done nothing but gum up the works with processes and not adding any value, then it's the perception is somehow that project management is the cause of all this. And, and so, you know, not leveraging resources, right? It's, you know, creates a, creates a, a, a pretty crappy reputation. Um, al along with that, one, one that frequently goes along, I think, with not using PM's resources correctly or not having the right perceptions of what they can do um, is, is right-sizing the size of that PM oversight within an organization, within a project, within programs. Um, it's, I, I've seen both be a challenge. I've seen where you don't have enough um, project management oversight. You have teams that aren't coordinating with, with themselves naturally. And some, depending, you know, I love, I love the term self-organizing teams. Yeah, self in, my, in my experience, that's an extraordinarily rare thing. Um, even when you organize it well, um, and, or I say organize it well, self-organizing teams, uh, even when you establish the right parameters to help them self-organize, uh, my experience is that you need leadership in order to be able to um, herd the cats and get people uh, to, to the places that they need. Um, if you have too few PMs, um, you essentially risk a lack of coordination, a lack of oversight on risks, a lack of communication, and in the end, um, you get those things where there's $500 billion spent and, um, you know, folks who should have been much closer to that investment and what the value was that's coming out of it aren't being updated or aren't getting the right updates. And, and in the end, you end up with a, a mess, right, and a, and a large sized failure. Similarly, I've also seen where you have um, too much oversight, you have too heavy on the management side, and um, you end up with, with you know, proverbial too many cooks in the kitchen. Another, what are we up to? Are we up to three? No, Four, no. I've lost count. Uh, too many cooks in the kitchen, and 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 then you then you're starting to to face perception challenges, right? Where you've got three coders and you've got five PMs, and the the PMs are doing more harm than they are good. Constantly asking for updates. Uh, you know, e even if they're good PMs, if you have too many of them. Um, it's not the right balance between execution resources and oversight, and, and you end up slowing down or, or hampering work 
that that really PM shouldn't shouldn't be uh, doing. So I've seen both, and and right sizing while it can be tricky, um, is another common challenge that that I think um, is is manageable. There's industry estimates and other things to help, um, but but often and frequently today um, is a challenge given um, given some of the misperceptions that we just talked about. Yeah, and I I, I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh Go a little bit of a different direction from what we had originally. So, so I think there's two. You touched on one of them, and I just want to say, you know, related to all this, I think, I think there's broken incentive models, right? So again, this is going to be a theme I very much believe in, is the best way to create the behavioral characteristics and behavioral changes if needed in an organization is to create incentive models in order to reinforce that behavior. And I think because of all this you have conflicting incentive models with how you structure your organization and then how you leverage projects, right? So if you're rewarding your teams to do certain things, if part of that reward isn't collaborating with others in the organization in order to do that, then you're you're, you're creating a disincentive model to, to participate in the project. So I think incentive models tied to all this other stuff structurally is a big piece. And then uh, I, I just, you know, this was an uh, 11th hour add to this and it was just reinforced me throughout today and whatnot, but this is a, a, I I think this is an American thing. I, maybe it's a worldwide thing, but we've fallen into this pattern of rewarding mediocrity <laughs> where mm. it's just, we reward just, like we used to reward excellence and we just reward crap now. And, and, and I'll, I'll just say, you want to know what the symptom in project management is? And, and, it's it's the definition of MVP, minimal viable product, as the going in approach on a project. The first thing we need to do is define a minimum viable project product. And what's fascinating is when I started my career in this, that was like at the point when you decide that you effed up your estimates and your and your and or your timeline shrunk or something went wrong, and you're like, all right, we need to get to the minimal viable product. I start projects now where. I'm coming in and, and like people are like, let's start to talk about minimum viable product. I'm like, it's day two. Like, <laughs> like what happened? They're like, what do you mean? That's what we do. I'm like, no, you, you don't start off because what ends up happening is then it's like, we delivered 80% of our minimum viable product. I'm like, that's an absolute failure. Like, and so, but that's, that's mediocrity, right? It's like the right answer is, we properly estimated this, and you're going to get 100% of your scope on time and in budget, right? That's your tradition of quality, right? Those are the various levers. I, I mean, that should be the going in standard. And anything less than that, you better have an excuse for why you didn't hit it. Now, there's valid excuses, but to start off with saying we got to go to the minimum viable, something went wrong. Um, so I think I think these are things why I think you know we 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 focused it on project management as a topic area, and uh, I, I think there's there's stuff we can do better. Uh, so so just for those who are thinking like like this guy right here of jumping off this cliff, don't do it. Uh, we're, we're actually here to, to talk a little bit, at least today, about some of some of the vision that we have of, and, and I think initially today, we just want to share some of the foundational principles that have helped us address some of these things, uh, some of these challenges that we just talked about. I, I had spoken earlier about the, the tendency for people to focus on 
process or you had talked about methodology over critical thinking. One of the ways that, um, that, you know, kind of the basic principles that we have obviously would be to reverse that, right? Critical thinking and learning um, are, are simply far more important than a set process. And, um, you know, to, to follow the analogy, so Jim just used the CEO analogy for, for comparing sort of the empowerment of project managers. Um, I, we, both Jim and I like to think typically of all of the various processes and methodologies that exist out in, um, in your organization or in any organization um, as a tool belt, right? And, and specifically, you have your boring, you know, tool belts that, that various people, the really fun tool belt, the ultimate tool belt is Batman's utility belt. I think they call it a utility. Is it a utility belt, Jim? What is Batman's? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 I've been I, using. I'm pretty sure it's utility. Utility. It's probably belt. utility belt. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I I need to go back and I mean I've read like however many Batman comics, but yeah. I'm pretty sure it's his. Now now I'm going to get flamed because I didn't know it was Batman's utility belt. But here's here's the point, right? All of the all of the bits and pieces of whether it's a methodology, a process, you name it, um, none of those serve an end other than a tool that you can or could choose not to use in order to further your goals based on, and this is the important part, your experience and critical thinking as a project manager. So in other words, as a project manager, I don't have to use every tool in that tool belt. And going back to our, a process can't just be created to checkbox manage every project. It doesn't work like that. Some tools aren't going to be used. Some tools will be used. And there's not a formula that says, if this project is this size with this many people of this sort, you use these three tools, it doesn't work like that. I've seen lots of organizations try to do that. And it's okay even to recommend and to say, hey, for large projects, you probably should use these. And for smaller projects, you can probably skip these. That, that sort of guidance is okay. But in the end, the magic comes when a, a PM knows how to do enough critical thinking to understand based on experience and based on logic and, and common sense can say, I am not going to need to use these tools. I'm going to customize this tool. And, uh, you know, together, these are going to get us across the finish line with really great communication, tracking, all of the typical things that I need to deliver as a PM. So that critical thinking and that learning and adaptability is, is always a, a set of much more important principles than trying to do a consistent, perfect, same process for every project. That, in my experience, doesn't exist. And um, the more that you are in an organization that tries to force every project to fit in a single set of process and a single set of tools, it's okay to standardize things. It's okay to homogenize things. But to try to say every project is going to have the same exact process um, will fail every time or, or will, will be extraordinarily painful to the point that maybe you can be successful with a set of projects after which people are going to start. You'll get attrition. You'll get folks who will not go to battle the second time because it was that painful or that awful. So I mean, this uh, this applies, and you know, we'll go on to the next one. This applies to other things, like you know, business analysis is another one. It's like I don't care if you write the requirements. I always say this: if you're in the cafeteria of your company and you write them on a on a napkin, as long as they're accurate and I can understand, I don't I don't care if it's in a standard BRD form, 
right? Or things like that. It's just it's just getting to the answers you need to get to. So yeah, uh, as you can see, we're pretty passionate about that one. So I think, uh, and, and then we're equally passionate about this next one. I, I think because of the this whole going back to the theme of rewarding mediocrity, um, and I and I hope we're gonna we're gonna show a picture of Brad. Um, so we got we got a picture up, Jim. Two two people. Oh, this this is the one where, where this yeah. this is the one where he asks, which one do you give the big bonus to? Right. That's right. <laughs> yep. And so and so you know on on one hand. You have you have Brad, who's usually much better looking too than than, than I don't know Steve. <laughs> we'll call the other one Steve. Um, Brad and Steve. Oh, okay. those are two males. Uh, what's a good? See, this is just going to go south. I don't want to. I don't want to bring gender into this. So let's go with let's go with ones called Pat, and the other ones called I don't know Chris. So, Chris. <laughs> gender neutral. We have two general neutral beings. One is good looking, one isn't. Um, so, um, oh, the editing, the <laughs> editing I'm having to do on this. I'm There's sorry nothing to edit there. This is us being sensitive to Future things. Future Braden, I apologize to you <laughs> watching me right now as you're editing. Go ahead, Jim. Sorry. So, on one hand, we got Pat, um, and, and and so let's start. Let's start with Chris. So, Chris, I mean, you may not even know Chris. But Chris is the true star because Chris flies below the radar. He got his projects. He got his budget. And we're coming towards the end of the cycle, the end of the year. And, you know, you don't hear anything about his projects because generally they've they've come in on time. He's delivered them maybe a little under scope, maybe a little bit over what it was managed. And there's Chris. no noise. Chris has little FaceTime with the executives because there's, there's no need. There's not issues, right? Yeah. And 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 so he just goes about doing his thing. Um, not a lot of noise and, and whatnot. And then, you know, Pat on the other hand, oh Pat. Um, Pat spent the last three years working on his project. It's, you know, three hundred percent over budget and whatnot, but they finally have line of sight to go live with this thing. And, uh, you know, it's now down to the last three months. And wouldn't you know it, Pat and is working 70, 80 hours a week, and he's making everybody else work 70, 80 hours a week. And by gone, at the end of that three months, they've delivered something that was supposed to be delivered in a year. At the end of year three, with 30% of the scope and 300% over budget. But, you know... Brad, sorry, Pat, generally gets all the kudos and the rewards because they work their off in order to meet that deadline and work all those hours and drag this thing over the finish line. But when you look at it objectively, it was the exact opposite. They burned through a bunch of cash. They didn't hit the scope. You're probably getting people quitting because they've worked so much or they don't and they've had a really rough stretch. Unfortunately, for anybody who's worked in project management, usually that comes across at the end of the year and it goes through Thanksgiving. It goes through the various holiday timeframes into New Year's. And I don't know how many times like people have had to work through New Year's, through the holidays. Can can you tell folks that Jim has worked with a few Pats in his day? That's right. Can you tell? I've worked. I, I've been the Chris. I've been the ugly duckling 
who's you know delivered on time and but no i mean and so i think one of the things we really want to promote is that you start rewarding the behavior that you want to see you don't want noise you you want a bunch of chris's and and you you know we've we've talked i think i think um there are ways to to recognize those who are making personal sacrifices without incentivizing that kind of behavior, right? Yeah. And and to, to me personally, one of the great ways is is I could say I could even privately, because it's not a public thing, I could give a, a bonus. I could give some sort of monetary award to that person and say, hey, Thank you for your your personal hard hard effort and work. You might not be a wait, great wait, wait. PM. Is that as known as a, as a severance package as you kick <laughs> them out? You're right. <laughs> so so fair enough. But 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 in all seriousness, so so a monetary award, I might be able to say, hey, I, I, I appreciate your hard work and effort. You're a terrible PM. I wouldn't say that necessarily in those words, but but I but what I might do is then I might promote the Chris, right? I want the Chris teaching other people how to do that same activity. And so if I'm going to promote someone and do something very visibly rewarding, it's going to be to the Chris's of the world. It doesn't mean that I don't, I can't recognize the, the knight in shining armors and the folks who go provide deep personal sacrifice. But if they're doing that because they didn't have their stuff together for the last three years, I don't want to promote them, and I don't want to visibly incent that kind of behavior. Anyway, so remember, the, I think the, the bottom line from from Jim's uh, section here is, don't be a pat. That's Anyhow, that's okay, all right. Last <laughs> no, but you laughed, so it counts. Mm. the 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 last part I think we wanted to share was just some of the core competencies that we really feel, Jim and I, based on our experience. Um, are are critically important to effective PMs. Some of these core competencies, um, people people can learn, can develop over time. Others, I think, are harder to learn. Um, but but I think these are the core set of competencies that of of effective PMs. That if if you really want to say, hey, I need someone who can get this. I need a Chris and not a pat, right? Here are some of the things that I, and Jim and I both, I think, typically look for. Um, the first is critical thinking problem solving. I think we've talked this one to death, right? Um, if you can't figure out a problem, if you don't know how to creatively problem solve, regardless of where you are, regardless even if you don't understand the business or the technology that you're working in for PMs, they should be consultants. Every new project is a new opportunity to learn. And, and to figure out a new technology, a new business process, a new business entirely, right? Um, and so PMs should be able to quickly learn and do critical thinking in order to solve problems. Um, the, the second kind of core competency is communication. Uh, I, I debated whether or not communication was before or after critical thinking. I still think critical thinking is number one, but a close follower uh, is communication. You simply can't, the, the primary job of a, of a PM as CEO is keeping stakeholders involved and understanding in what's going on. And without really good, both written and verbal communication skills. And I would, I would add a dash of really good presentation skills, separate topic. We'll talk about it, but 
um, you have to you have to be able to share clear messages, keep people engaged, and if you're not able to do that with really good communication skills, uh, project management is not for you. And there are plenty of really bad communicators out there in the PM community. And that's written um, and verbal, right? Because it's 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 across mediums, so. And and I would say not just written verbs. So so there's that sort of right different mediums. Yeah, yeah. I would also say um, you have to be a really good communicator up and down um, levels within the organization, and you have to be able to talk to a technical resource at some level of technical discussion. It doesn't have to be I can read your code, but you probably have to learn technology enough to understand the the technical concepts that they're dealing with, the technical, uh, uh, the uses of that technology or platform within the context of the business work that you're doing, et cetera. Um, but then, and then take that up to the executive level where you're not, where you're omitting tons and tons of stuff. I can't tell you the number of times where I've been in executive updates where PMs are sharing what they want to say and not what the, the executive is interested in hearing. And I've watched executives, it, 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 you know, I've watched PMs burn an executive. The executive's no longer paying attention. They're literally now reading email. They're trying to be subtle about it, you know, kind of. I've seen them fall asleep. <laughs> no but joke. It comes from a PM, A, not reading the room, right? You have to yep. be able to see, look on their faces and say, oop, wrong level. And number two, you have to be able to speak at that level. Now, now, in many cases, you learn by sad experience, right? I'm sure my first few updates to executives were stupid, bad. They were way too detailed. And I didn't understand what the executive needed to hear from me as opposed to what I wanted to tell him. I wanted to tell him, and most PMs usually want to tell the executives about all the great work they're doing. Newsflash, the executives don't care at all about the great... That, that's... That's unfair. They care about the good work that you're doing, but in the context of an update that you're giving, they more care about the objectives that they're having to advance on in the context of what it is that you're sharing. And so all that good work really usually comes to a bottom line of, are you on track? Are you on budget? If you're not, how can I help you get back on track? I've got you know, five minutes for you to talk to me. Don't tell me about all the good work that you've done. Tell me how I can help you keep doing good work or even do better work. And and so you learn over time how to communicate up levels, down levels, laterally, etc. Um, and and then the the last primary kind of foundational core competency that that we really think is is important for PMs is influence. Um, this one is is a tricky one to learn. I think. I, I don't exactly know how to say, hey, let me teach you influence. There are certain principles of networking and relationship building that you can share guidance on. I think you can give guidelines to people, but um, teaching people, yeah, I guess you can read. Uh, let's just call it, a, we could also call it positive manipulation. <laughs> so that's how, that's how I think of it. So, so Jim Machiavelli here, uh, <laughs> you know, has, has his own bent on things. I'll, I'll simply say um, I have been in situations where influence and, and I might call it some credibility um, has been has been paramount to the success of a project, less even based on the skills of the PM involved and more in the confidence 
that the leadership had in that individual. And that comes more through influence. It also comes through competency. It comes through communication. It comes through other things as well. But being able to trans translate um, your competency and the other stuff that you do into influence your relationship building, etc., um, on the stakeholders, both again leadership level, but also within the delivery organization that you're working with, um, critically important to your ability to deliver as a PM. Some some things that probably you know Jim doesn't care about, like diplomacy and and some of these other they're they're secondary ones. I think they help make. I like people to think that I care about diplomacy. I've changed. Um. Oh. Anyhow, but these, uh, I, I think, as we talk about the various tools uh, and... and um, Maybe the better analogy for a PM is what here's I think is the best, the best leadership for a country, which is impossible to have. But maybe, maybe instead of a CEO, you're the benevolent dictator of your project. You're the our dear leader? Is that... Benevolent dictator. Benevolent, benevolent despot. Dictator. Uh, you know... <laughs> So that's the most efficient, you know, way of leading. I think. Should you should know? should I put like a superimpose our our logos? You know, the our two heads sort of facing the same direction on some waving flag. Benevolent, uh, whatever. No, benevolent. Yeah, benevolent. benevolent. Just smiling. Um, so I think that brings us to the end of our. What I think this is going to be our our first of hopefully many episodes. And we're going to dive into quite a bit more. There's there's no shortage of topics in a project management space, but we wanted to kind of give you our perspective to frame things up. So as we as we crap on other parts of the uh, the thing known as project management, you at least know where we're coming from. So oh. anything else? Anything else to add, Braden? I, I just I like the the you know even though we we started out with project management is broken and right. we're gonna fix it which which I liked um, you know both of us both of us I think have to, uh, you you were saying earlier Jim we're pragmatic optimists uh, uh, you yeah. know walking oxymorons or whatever but but or in just reality, regular morons but yeah or regular morons both both yeah. of us I think have had enough practical experience in in the industry to know. Um, anywhere, even no matter how broken it is, there's that that really just leaves opportunity for people who are critical thinkers, who are good communicators, who are good influencers um, to help, right? And and that's really what we want to do. For sure. For sure. Awesome. All right. I think that wraps this one up. I guess. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>